Previously on the Loyal Littles podcast... You should know that the source of this numbering system that grinds Roxy's gears is the long-running NPR series, Car Talk. They started doing it back in the 70s. So no, I did not know that. So have you ever... You're not an NPR person, though, are you, Roxy? I'm not really. I have a hard time listening to people talk for hours on end. Welcome back to the Loyal Littles Podcast on the WTFC Podcast Network. Hey, Roxy. Hey, Chuck. Little day? Big day. Ah, I see what you did there. <laughs> First of all, happy National Drink Beer Day and happy National Ask a Stupid Question Day, which probably couldn't be more appropriate for this episode of the Loyal Littles Podcast. But let's get to the matter at hand. So it's been now this kind of reoccurring theme, Roxy, where we have co-hosts that can't come on the podcast, but they feel the need to text into the show to get on the podcast. So we heard from Ritz, and this was actually interesting. He said, I really enjoyed your electric company reference. That was Morgan Freeman, who would sound out the words, possibly with Rita Moreno. Now, I forgot it was Morgan Freeman. It was one of my favorite parts of Electric Company. Now, do you even know what, you don't even know what Electric Company is, do you, Roxy? Con Ed? Oh my gosh. Yeah. No. <laughs> See what I'm dealing with here? All right. So it was a, it was like a Sesame Street type, oh. Mr. Rogers type Aww. show. Captain okay. Kangaroo? Yeah, I've heard of that. Oh, okay. All right. So at least we're in Obviously the ballpark Obviously, I grew here. up on Mr. Rogers. Okay. Well, at least we're in the ballpark here, but I was worried there for a second. Well, Electric Company was another one of those type mm-hmm. of shows, mm-hmm. and mm-hmm. they used to sound out where... Anyway, I, Littles, I'm sure you know what I'm talking about, hopefully. And we heard from Scott Moffat again, and he followed up on his Joe Millionaire email he wrote last time, mm-hmm. and he said, according to Wikipedia... So it has to be true. They shared the million dollars, Roxy. Oh, okay. Okay. I don't remember if he had to propose or not, but it looks like their relationship did not last. Big surprise there, right? (laughs) Sure. And then another one from the last episode. This is from David Patton, actually. He said, hey, I'll bet the first round of drinks, when we finally get together someday, that as soon as Cool Aunt Claire hung up, Roxy said, who's Jethro Tull? (laughs) And you can call me Dave. So that's nice. So do you know who Jethro Tull is? That was from her Friday Five. and Yeah, I've heard the name. <laughs> <laughs> so, this is uh, a really bad episode for me. So Dave. Sounds, I know nothing. Sounds like you were right. And then we have one more, not really cleanup, but a nice little message from Bobby Gottfried. You have that one, right? I do. He says, did I tell you that I went to high school with someone who was a contestant on Survivor twice? Hello. Eliza Orleans, she was on the Vanuatu season and then again on Fans vs. Favorites. She also was on The Amazing Race a few years ago when they did Amazing Race vs. Survivor vs. Big Brother teams. I remember that and I did not like her. But watching Survivor, she grew on me. No, I didn't like her. No. I mean, she's a good player, but I didn't like her. Well, now she's a politician here in New York. She She is. Did she win? Uh, I don't know. She was running. No, she's running. She's running for district attorney. That's amazing. So anyway, so Bobby, what up? I mean, hello, Rick Devins. You had your chance. I mean, Bobby. <laughs> Maybe we could get her on the show. I mean, if you want to talk to Eliza for us and see if she wants to come on the podcast, that'd be great. So anyway, all right, let's get to the new stuff. We had a lot of talk about the fantasy. Yeah. I think one of our, my favorites was Chris Davenport regarding yep. our last episode. Yeah. He says, tune in for the worst fantasy football take ever. Okay. Fair enough. That, those are some strong words there. <laughs> but then we had an email from Mo. 
And he writes, with regards to fantasy football or baseball, what in the world are you thinking, Chuck? (laughs) Real-time replacing an injured player or poor performing players? I'm sure this is possible, but would you really want to spend Thursday and Monday nights as well as 12 hours on Sunday glued to your TV, computer, phone, watching every game for the smallest detail that affects your team? And for baseball, multiply that by a factor of four or six. I prefer to set my lineup and hope for the best. Then again, I just spent more time this week than I care to admitting surfing YouTube to find players with off-field talents. So what do I know? Okay. Should I wait till we finish all of them or? Sure. Okay. Then we also heard Sully from Boston. Your fantasy football suggestion is a coding nightmare and unlevels the playing field. Not even FanDuel or DraftKings are playing around with that style game because of that. Okay. But then we heard from Patrick Moffat. Yes. Patrick says, the only fantasy league that I've seen that does something similar, though not exactly, to what you discussed on the podcast is the UEFA Champions League game in which you can choose to trade out a player in favor of another option on your roster in a later game. But if you go that route, you lose any points you got from the first player. It's an interesting game and fun to take those risks, but not exactly the real-time option you described. Haven't seen that yet. So that reminds me of what I was talking about. Okay, but first of all, do we even know what UEFA? I'm I'm assuming it's some silly soccer thing, right? Maybe. No, I'm just kidding. (laughs) I have no idea, but I'm assuming. Okay, then we hear from Smitty Scoop, and he said, I think what Chuck really needs is an optimal lineup league. Each team automatically gets the QB, two running backs, three wide receivers, tight end, kicker, and defense that scored the highest each week. No lineup decisions required, no bad luck injuries. Okay, now I will say, I'm not, no, no, that's not what, I mean, yeah, I agree. That's not as much fun. That's just, I don't even know how to go into that portion. But what I will say is, no, I mean, I'm going to go back to Mo. Yeah, I mean, I'm sorry. If you're not as dedicated as some of us, then that's fine. But that's, again, I think anyone that would join that crazy kind of a league that I'm talking about, you would have to be that kind of person, okay, that, yes, stays glued to your phone or, or then you just don't care. You know what I mean? It's, it doesn't happen that often, but I just feel like a real time, you feel like the manager of a team, you know, like, like I was talking about baseball. Like if you want to yeah. take the pitcher out before the actual manager does, sure. you have that option right? and things like that. I don't know. I don't think I would spend all day doing it. I just think if you happen to be watching a game or you're watching the red zone and you see, oh, this player, I mean, cause these things get out there right away. If a quarterback goes down in the first quarter and yeah. it's a popular quarterback, Everybody knows about it. Don't say that. (laughs) Well, I'm just saying it's on Twitter. It's everywhere. So then at least you have like maybe two quarters even. Even at the half, you could take them out and put someone else in to at least get some points. I got burned hard on fantasy this week. So Mm -hmm. I'm obviously a little passionate about this. I'm holding my own. I'm losing, but I'm in these weeks, but I'm I'm holding my own. I was big teased. (laughs) I had a shot even though my star running back went down and it was just a nightmare. But so I lost again this week. But Mm -hmm. um, yeah, so I don't know. It was it's it is what it is. You know, I mean, obviously it's not for everyone. But I just think it would be fun to, and again, you just don't join that league if you're not into that. Just scroll by. Just scroll by. (laughs) All right. But what I will fully admit is I understand it's not for everyone and I understand it would be a nightmare and a coding nightmare. So, you know, you'd have to have like a very passionate four or five friends, I think, that would do it. It's bold, Chuck. It's It's real bold. Anyway. All right. Roxy, are you excited? Very excited. So let's get out of here. We are super stoked about today's guest. So let's take a quick break and we'll be right back. This is Cool Aunt Claire, the official rum dum of the Tony Kornheiser show. 
and you're listening to the Loyal Littles Podcast on the WTFC Podcast Network. This episode by William Emmert, also known as Silk. And this song is called Everything's Gonna Be Alright. If you like what you hear, you can reach William at his email address, which is williamscottemmert at yahoo.com. Or you can head on over to YouTube and search Silk, S-Y-L-K, and find all his stuff over there as well. And as always, we'll play the full song, Everything's Gonna Be Alright, at the end of the podcast. It's now time to meet the Figs. This is incredible, Roxy. Please welcome to the podcast, Gary Mron. Hey, Gary, how's it going? Hey, guys, it's going great. Thank you for having me on the show. Oh. I guess the littlest of the bigs. Is oh. that how it works? You're climbing the ladder. <laughs> Are you kidding me? We went right for the top because we know Tony ain't coming up. You know, we've often said this. We. We'd actually like Carol, I think, more than Tony to come on the podcast. Yeah, I, I think there's probably a lot of listeners who would share that sentiment. Yeah. <laughs> and Chuck, do not go all fanboy on me, or I swear I, to God, this thing is over. I will hang up the phone faster than you to say, Lachiserie. It's all, Don't worry, I got your back. It's already happening. Are you kidding me? This is like, okay. it's so funny. Littles, we like chatted a little bit before we came on air, and I was fine. Now, all of a sudden, I'm getting all like, I don't know what to do here. So what we normally do, Gary, is we turn it over to our guest. And because we do think I would like to know, I know Roxy would like to know where you came from, how you started and all this stuff. We'll get to the Tony stuff for sure. But let's meet you because I know there's a lot of littles out there that don't know a lot about you. So where did you grow up? Where did you go to school? All that kind of stuff. Goodness gracious. Okay, so I was born. No, uh, I actually live probably about 10 miles from where I grew up. I grew up in Montgomery County, Maryland, which is suburban D.C., I've lived here my entire life with the exception of the four years I went to college. I went to a very small liberal arts school in Madison, New Jersey called Drew University, not mm -hmm. far from where you guys are. Yeah. And I mean, I graduated there on a Saturday and literally started working on Sunday at the radio station. This was in, I guess, May of 1992, where by about that August, I had met and was working with only in some capacity. And I worked on and off doing a variety of things at that station, most notably, as far as this audience is concerned, I guess, working my way up to being Tony's producer from Board Op. Everyone knows the name Greg Garcia. I filled in after Garcia on the board as the technical engineer. When Tony's producer at the time, a guy by the name of Mitch Levy, who I think has been doing mornings at KJR in, in Seattle forever. When he left for that job, I was elevated to Tony's producer. I take great pride in being probably the worst producer Tony has ever had. <laughs> Um, I mean, th this show is more produced than Tony's has ever been. I got, I got a pre-interview questionnaire, a confirmation email, a, a rights waiver. I mean, <laughs> nothing on you guys. Um, 
Tony has famously shared how bad I was as a producer, but, but he liked me sort of as a third or fifth wheel on air and supporting him. Yeah, I did that till about, uh, I guess around 19, end of 96, early 97. Frankly, I, I didn't ever really aspire to be on air. I liked radio. I was into radio. My father was a communications attorney, so he represented radio and television stations back when they were individually owned. Now, like three or five companies own them all, yeah. uh, but he would represent them in licensing and ownership issues. So I sort of grew up a little bit exposed to, to radio and TV, but I didn't have any great aspirations to be on air. I wanted to like own radio stations because I saw all these millionaires my dad was working for. So the management track at the station where I was at the time was I had kind of maxed out. I mean, I wasn't going to submarine my boss there, a guy at the time whose name was Todd Castleberry, which is a, a name that longtime listeners of Tony's show may know. So I left in early 97 and transitioned that production background to join my brother, who was just launching Braun Film and Video, which was a video production company. Mm. He's sort of a more classically trained video producer, but I had sort of the audio chops for that. And I had been producing the, at the time, I, I don't know how you refer to the football team now. They were the Redskins then. I don't know if I'm going to get canceled for saying that, but I was <laughs> producing the, uh, at the time, Washington Redskins pre and post game stuff. So, you know, there was a little synergy there and I jumped from kind of radio, audio production to not so much TV, but corporate and broadcast video and audio production and have been with Dave, my brother, ever since. Now, Tony, you know, those of you that listen to Tony know that he is either your best friend or your worst enemy in the world. <laughs> and he's going to decide which within five minutes of meeting you and probably never change his mind. So I was one of the blessed few. Tony liked me from the jump and has been extraordinarily loyal to me over many, many years. And anytime his show moved, he came to me every single time and said, hey, man, if you can do this, there's a home for you, whether it was, you know, an opportunity to produce his ESPN show or be on air on the Washington Post radio show. And in a lot of ways, I was kind of living the American dream. Yeah. You know, a young man at the time, my late 20s, early 30s, owned my own business. And we were never really able to make it work. But as I sort of got a little bit older and, and the business grew and I was able to peel away some time. He kind of made it easier and easier. So I, I don't remember exactly when it was. Sometime before he went to Monday Night Football, we were able to do this thing where I came back and it was strictly on air and, and just kind of whatever time I had, he would take. You know, if that's one day a week, fine. If it's three days a week, even better. But he understood and sort of allowed my job job to come first. As is the case, I think, with most of the people on the show. I mean, I think yeah. that's one of the secrets of the show is that none of us need it. You know, I mean, we're all doing it because we want to, yeah. because it's fun. So that, that's kind of liberating, I think. I can say and do whatever I want without the fear of losing my job. <laughs> <laughs> um, that's a long-winded, brief, brief thumbnail of sort of how I've got there. So the last several years, in the most recent incarnations, it's just been kind of come and go as, as he and Nigel and Michael have built sort of this ragtag group of, of second and third chairs. Wow. It's amazing. Now, let, can we go back real quick now? What was your major in college? My major was, was kind of a invented thing called, um, I think it was, <laughs> <laughs> like, those, those years are a little hazy. <laughs> yeah, I think it was called behavioral sciences. And it, okay. it was like a, a psych, soch, anth wow. combination, which was a communications concentration. 
So I, you know, I don't know what you would call it. It was behavioral science. It's come back to me now in crystal clarity. <laughs> Sorry, many brain cells since then. I, I mean, I, I did some things you would expect that I would have done in college. I wrote sports for the school newspaper. I had a radio show. I drank a lot of beer. I like beer. <laughs> We've heard. And uh, so that was it. But it was a broad-based liberal arts type education I went to, which, by the way, completely confounds me, does not reconcile with who I am. I mean, I just spent the weekend at, in Ann Arbor with my daughter at dad daughter's weekend for uh, her sorority. Mm-hmm. And I was like, how the hell did I not go to a huge school right. with a football program? And I, I don't know how that happened. All I can tell you is that Drew, where I went, sort of recruited me. I mean, not to do anything, just sort of as a student. I mean, they were trying to, I guess, get people from my region. And I went up there as a kid and I had a good time and I saw their application and it was sort of as easy as any of them. So I applied early decision and got in. And that's very embarrassingly the truth. I don't regret it. I mean, I had made some great friends up there and love that part of the country, obviously. I mean, it's Jersey, but it's suburban New York, as you guys know. Mm-hmm. Yeah. But yeah, it's just, it's really weird because I'm totally a big school person and all my kids want to go and do that D1 experience yeah. thing. So sort yeah. of weird. Same thing happened to me, if I'm being honest. I went to Hartwick College and maybe heard that name because- <laughs> I've heard of Hartwick. Well, yeah. because that's who Binghamton beats in basketball every <laughs> yeah. year. That's the one victory. That's the one victory. And Nigel always loves to tote it. And I, this is what I love about Tony. Tony just like, he sighs and he's like, oh, come on, man. Division three school. And so he's like, of course we be Hartwick. And that's our only claim to fame. It's literally like 12, 1400 students, very small liberal arts college. Don't regret it, but I, I'm with you. I, I kind of wish I had that D1 experience, yeah. as you said. So yeah, well, I'm, I'm getting it in now. Yeah, but Sydney rides me. She's like, quit living through me. You had your chance. <laughs> She's but, like, go home already. <laughs> yeah. All right. So it sounds like you kind of knew what you wanted to do from a very early age. So, not, I mean, not exactly. I, I went the liberal arts route because I wasn't quite sure. And I think I was probably watching Sports Center one night circa 1994 and thought, well, that looks kind of cool. Mm-hmm. And through my dad's connections and also some people I knew at school, I was able to get internships while I was in college to see other aspects of, I mean, I only knew what was on air, so I didn't know anything about sales or marketing or traffic departments, but I knew I kind of wanted to be around sports in some way, shape or form. So, but over those last couple of years of college, it sort of crystallized for me that I wanted to be in it. You know, the sports radio scene in the early nineties, there was four, five, six of them in the country. I mean, there was one in San Diego, of course, it was WFAN. When I started on Indy 500 day, May, whatever it was of 1992, that was the sign on day for the station in Washington. It was just starting. And after doing that for even just six months, I mean, I saw so many of those stations started popping up and dudes with any experience were valuable commodities. So dudes were getting plucked and going to Orlando and Omaha, Nebraska and Austin, Texas. And I mean, I like it here. There's a reason why I came right back after school. So that I think for me kind of helped me make my decision to not really aspire to like chase an on-air career because Mm -hmm. I didn't want to do kind of all that moving around. Mm -hmm. And the one opportunity I had to do so was, I guess, in 96, about a year before I left, or maybe it was 95. Whenever Carolina was awarded the Panthers, WBT, which is the big AM station in Charlotte, which I believe maybe still has their rights, 
They were awarded the rights to the Panthers. Up until that point, they had been a Washington football team rights holder. I mean, they, the Washington football team was everywhere from Southern Pennsylvania through South Carolina. I mean, they were good in the 80s and there was no football team in the Carolinas. Nothing between here and Atlanta. So yeah. they offered me a job to come down there and produce all their stuff and have an on-air show. And at the time, I, I was dating the woman to whom I would ultimately become related by marriage, my wife, Kim. And it just, I mean, it was a great offer and that it was $5,000 a year more than I was making or something. It seemed yeah. like all the money in the world. Right. You know? right. So I had sort of had to make the decision then and there, like, what am I going to do here? Am I going to chase this silly radio and or TV broadcasting dream? Or am I going to do something closer to home? And, right. and I just decided I was going to ride this out. So I think that probably prompted my decision. Like within a couple of years later, I was out of radio, at least from a day-to-day -day standpoint and doing a thing with my brother, which has been a great, a great opportunity for me. Yeah. Which we'll get into for sure. So you very nicely said within five minutes, Tony knows, and you'll know. When was that five minutes? What was the first time you actually had a connection and... So I, you know, when I started there right after school, I had a couple shifts a week, like editing tape. I mean, back then we would literally yeah. grease pencil and cut up tape. Mm -hmm. I was a, what they call a tape editor. Within a short period of time, as I said, people were getting plucked for other opportunities. And I was elevated, air quotes, to board op, which basically meant I just kind of engineered the morning show, which at the time we were gotcha. syndicating Imus in the morning, which was fed from New York. So I was essentially just pushing buttons to make sure when he went to break, I was playing the local commercial. Commercials gotcha. and not the New York commercials. But the thing about Imus was he ran six to 10. Tony's show started at 10. Tony, I think people know and understand this now. At the time, everyone thought Tony was just incredibly talented, and he is incredibly talented, certainly. But the thing he never has gotten enough credit for is how prepared he is. I mean, Tony mm. would come in early and he would prepare more so than anyone who was at that station. I mean, that was probably the greatest lesson that I learned from him yeah. just in observing him is the value of preparation. My prep, my lack of preparation for this interview notwithstanding. <laughs> so he would get in there, you know, 8.30 or 9 and he would be sitting in the studio and I was, everyone's heard the phrase on the other side of the glass. I was literally in the production studio on the other side of the glass he didn't know me, but occasionally he would just speak her into me and say, like, uh, what was Cal Ripken's line from last night? You know, and I would look it up and I'd say, <laughs> I was two for four with a homer. And he's OK, thanks. You know, I would, he was using me, I guess, as a errand boy or whatever. I don't think we were ever really introduced. But when <laughs> it's kind of funny and it's a long story, so forgive me. But That's okay. Um, OK, that was sort of the extent of the relationship. So, I mean, I helped him. I was there for him. I never really asked anything from him. I wasn't particularly I mean, I don't say this to be like this isn't false machismo. I just it's the way I'm wired. I didn't really care who he was. I mean, I wasn't I didn't not like him, but I wasn't yeah. particularly impressed by him or anyone. I mean, I grew up reading him. My brother would cut out and mail me his columns that old when I was in college because I didn't have to read him. Right. But I'm not really a starstruck type person. Mm -hmm. sure. I think in retrospect, I mean, it didn't occur to me at the time, but I think he appreciated that about me because he got such star treatment there in those days and really kind of demanded it. But I think it was largely sort of kind of a test from him for people. So he, you know, he was predisposed to sort of like me. And one day his producer, the aforementioned Mitch Levy, was going somewhere on vacation and he needed a producer and management told him that they were going to bring in the afternoon show producer, who was the best, most accomplished producer at the station to fill in for Mitch for those two days. And he said, I don't want him. And they said, who do you want? He said, I want the kid, you know, in the morning. And they're like, well, he's not a producer. He's never done it. He's a board op. 
I mean, if these people had known Tony at all, they would know you don't tell him who you're giving. Yeah. You know? <laughs> I mean, like the dude was killed right then. He was. He, he huh. um, so he said, you know, like, I don't care. I want to be comfortable. I, I mean, you know, Tony likes his people. Yeah. yeah. So that was essentially how I got my break. I mean, he just he wow. picked me out. And from then on, I think when Mitch ultimately moved, it became a natural fit. And I mean, I, I've known Tony and considered Tony a, a friend for a very long time. I mean, Tony was a guest at my wedding. I was married in 1996. Oh. Wow. And not a guest in the sense that I was just trying to invite stars. I mean, right. He was, sure. was already a friend at that point. So yeah. it's funny because I think now like Tony, who has always felt like he was 60 something to me, Tony was far younger than I am now when we met, which blows my mind yeah. because I saw him as so accomplished and mature and I see myself as a child. Um, <laughs> but, you know, yeah, he's just, he has he's one of the most loyal friends I have. I mean, I could call Tony at any time with anything and I feel like he would be there for me. So wow. yeah. I'm really lucky. Yeah. All right. Well, Gary, obviously we've got a ton more to get to. You can stick around pretty please. Is that <laughs> Of course. <laughs> okay. All right. All you loyal listeners, we'll be right back with Meet the Bigs. You're listening to the Loyal Littles podcast on the W, hey, that's me, WTFC podcast network. Welcome back to the Loyal Littles podcast. We are not meeting the littles. We're meeting the bigs. We have Gary Braun here today, and we're super excited. Roxy, why do I feel like you're chained to a piece of heavy furniture? (laughs) Hey, don't threaten her with a good time. Oh, Oh, You want to call and talk sometime, Chuck, just call and talk sometime. You don't have to drag her around. I mean, do I have the best wife or what? I mean, it seems pretty cool. She it's kind of this is all her fault. It, I created the monster. You know, people yeah. Have, yeah. know where this came from, the idea. I've had the idea. And she was finally like during a pandemic, you need a hobby. Yeah, <laughs> so he she, was going out of his mind sitting on the couch all day. I'm like, you need something. So this is a good time to try this out. <laughs> so let's do it. I'll do it with you. It'll she be was fun. so supportive. And now she's like, Aww. created and then this I'm monster. Like, what did I get myself into? <laughs> can, but I it's great. Totally it. It's been quite a ride. And I've enjoyed meeting everybody and getting to know this group. And I didn't really understand it. Like what it was and why it was, yeah. but she has graduated from a tiny. We we deemed them tinies when we first started. Yeah, someone who because they're not up really a little. little. Oh, oh, you you mean like the people who are the families? Of yeah, the who put up with it. Yeah. I don't know, but I've kind of graduated to fun sized. Yeah, she has. So <laughs> yeah, Excellent. yeah. So. It is an awesome community. I mean, I will say very honestly, any opportunity to do those summer of littles or jingle fest, and I speak largely for all of us. This experience, I don't even really think of it as a job, but it, it's afforded me a lot of awesome opportunities. I mean, certainly Littles have given me tickets to games and events, and I've met sure. people like Brian Polian, who's become a very dear friend. But I still just love the opportunity. I mean, I like people. I believe in people, generally speaking. The last year and a half, notwithstanding, I've learned a little bit more about people, I think, than I wish I had in some cases. But, Definitely. <laughs> um, and I travel a little bit for work. I love to be on the road and to just like shout out on my Twitter feed, at Braun Film, by the way, um, uh-huh. that like, hey, I'm in town. You know, any littles when I get together? I mean, mm-hmm. when I was, I, I carved out a few hours when I was in Michigan with my daughter last weekend to meet four littles out for a few beers and talk and hang and get to know them. And I'm, I'm so appreciative for that opportunity. I mean, at the end of the day, what do we have really? You know, yeah. I mean, just experiences is those friendships that we make. 
And I think it's, it's an awesome community and it's, it's cool. I think this thing that you're doing, I'm glad it's had legs. As I said, when you first called me, I figured you'd be off the air and out of business very shortly. So why waste my time? But, well, thanks for the call. Yeah, we, we are, did too. We are very dedicated people and we are persistent almost to a fault. Yeah. All right. Getting back into, well, I don't know where if we want to go to your business. Yeah, let's do that. Let's get right yes. into that because I want to do more than just give it a plug because I am genuinely interested in this. Cause that I've, makes one of us. <laughs> well, I've been to your website. I Honestly, if I'm being completely honest, I obviously knew the Twitter handle and all that, but I didn't really exactly know how much you were into this and what you and your brother yeah. have built. So go into so, that. Look, for better or worse, at the end of the day, the job is, is what I do. It's not who I am, which is not to say I don't take it seriously. I take it very seriously. And I take great pride in a lot of the work that we do. And I also believe that if you're not going to have fun, there's no point in doing anything. Like you can do it the right way and have mm -hmm. fun. It's not rocket surgery, what mm -hmm. we're doing. <laughs> but we produce, and I wish I could say, you know, this was all foresight based and we knew in the late 90s, everything was going to be video. I mean, we just, I stepped in it. I mean, bro my brother is sort of more classically trained. He was a kid who grew up playing with cameras and all that. But we produce corporate commercial sales, marketing, training, recruitment, investor video, explainer videos, e-learning. I mean, essentially anything now you see online or anywhere short of the big screen. I mean, we've done some short form documentary stuff and have been involved in some elements of, of documentary film, post-production and stuff. We haven't produced anything fully that way, even some music video. But DC isn't the production market of New York or LA or even Chicago in terms of broadcast opportunities. So most of what we do is corporate and or government related. We do a lot. We're on the GSA schedule, which simply means we're like a pre-approved government vendor. So we do a lot of work across the DOD, Department of the Army, which is work that I really like. I mean, it's like I'm very inspired by the service members I get to meet and work with and am happy to contribute in any little way I can to the mission. I mean, I'm, I'm not otherwise capable to the extent they are. Mm -hmm. So yeah, I mean, we've been doing it. Sheesh. I mean, a quarter century is a long time. And it's been fun and it's good because it's never really the same thing twice. So I get to meet you guys, come and learn a little bit about your business, try to figure out the best way how what we do can serve you and then kind of move on before we get bored of each other. Yeah. <laughs> um, so I dig it. It's been um, a great career. And, and with my brother being my business partner and there being no issues about anyone's commitment or, or morals or values or where they come from. I mean, it enables me to, in the heyday anyways, four or five a week, four or five days a week, not get into the office till 10 and no one's harboring any resentment because I was off playing radio or anything. So yeah, I mean, it's uh, the website is brownfilm.com if people are interested. But yeah, we've done uh, a lot of work over the years. I mean, we've all done a lot of stuff in the last 25 years, right? It's, I mean, it goes by in the blink of an eye, but it's mm -hmm. a lot of time to mm -hmm. be doing something. Yeah. Now, it's interesting. You said you've for over a quarter century. How has that affected you? Have you been able to keep up to date with the new things? Because I've checked out the website and some of the demos are amazing. Now, how much has that changed and how did that happen? Thanks. I mean, it's kind of you to say, and I would just caveat that by saying, I don't think that website's been updated in terms of adding work in, in several years. Oh, really? Okay. Um, yeah. I mean, at least three or four years. But so essentially, I act as an executive producer, which means I'm building and managing team, budget, client, et cetera. I am not super technical. I am not, a lot of people in my industry, I mean, I don't have a particular degree for what I do. It's just a business card. Um, so a lot of guys in my role will shoot, will edit, 
We'll direct, we'll write. We do some of that. I mean, I will direct and write depending on the nature of the work. I will also hire directors and writers depending on the nature of the work, but I certainly will never shoot or edit anything. I mean, I think I'm relatively technically astute for a 50-year-old guy, but I'm not at all technically astute for my industry. I have guys who I give the leeway to order and build our systems and and execute our work under, of course, my direction and, and supervision and stuff. So Now, can you go into that real quick? Do you have your own guys or do you contract all that out? No, we, we have a few in-house. I mean, we have three full HD, 4K edit systems in-house at our office. And we have a small inset studio with a psych wall and green screen. So we can shoot there. There's a lot of stuff we can do. So we can handle a number of things in-house, but depending on the nature of the job, I mean, it could be a three-person crew or a 33-person crew. Sure, right. So we're all, we, we have a very deep pool of freelancers who we're pulling from if we need them all over the country, all over the world, frankly. So it's sort of a a mix and match of both to answer that question. Gotcha. I mean, it's so technologically dependent. I mean, we had, for instance, when I did it in, when I started in 1997, we were shooting on a camera called a Betacam, not to be confused with a Betamax, but a Betacam, (laughs) which was a, a tape camera, which was a broadcast level SD camera. You would put in a cartridge tape. Those cameras were, at the time, fifty to maybe $80,000, and they were paperweights in four years. I mean, yeah. it was, they were worthless. And as things went digital, that just continued to happen. So fortunately, in the early days, we, again, I, I can't credit this to any intelligence or foresight on our part, <laughs> just frugality. We just sort of ran it as kind of a freelance operation, and we're hiring things as needed. So um, that sort of digital revolution kind of cost some people their businesses because they had so much, they owed so much money on what was worthless equipment. Wow. Right. right. Now, you know, everything's smaller, everything's cheaper and getting cheaper all the time. Wow. I didn't even think about that. And side note, my father still has a Betamax that works. That's um, impressive. I literally, I actually posted this on Facebook because I was watching Bronco Billy on beta <laughs> about eight months ago when I was visiting <laughs> And I even put, I shit you not, I'm watching this on Betamax right now. That's, that thing, I, I would have to imagine in any sort of operating condition, that thing would command a pretty penny. I don't know. You know, it's funny. Well, all right. The funny thing is my parents owned a beta store before VHS took over. Okay. Wow. So they were trying to get in on the ground floor and obviously that failed miserably yeah. because VHS came out and we got put out of business. So we literally have like 350 movies on beta in like boxes at my dad's house. They're not in like a humidor or some like no. that tape will uh, after some period of time, that tape will just yeah. disintegrate. Yeah, yeah. No, they're just in closet. I mean, they've most of them, well, they've all worked. Cause I, sometimes I'll go and throw a, the newest ones are like, I'm saying Beverly Hills cup one, St. Almost fire breakfast club. That was the year mm-hmm. that we right. had it. Mm-hmm. And then it went out of business then. And it's just 83. I'm guessing. Yeah. Like 83, like 84. Yeah. Yeah, Yeah, that sounds like a museum. That's awesome. (laughs) (laughs) So I just totally aged myself as well. But it's always a good time, you know, to just plop that. And Bronco Billy, I mean, Clint Eastwood. I mean, that's one of my favorite. Uh, My brother was a huge Clint Eastwood fan, the Westerns. Yeah. Yeah. Outlaw Josie Wales. Mm -hmm. Okay, now I'm really dating myself. He's in a new one now. Yeah, that guy is unbelievable. He's insane. He turned into a good director, too. And he is insane. Let me just say, not to turn this into a political conversation, but he does actually appear to be insane. (laughs) But I digress. Well, he's like 90, right? Yeah. Yeah, he's in his 90s. Yeah. Yeah. 
That's amazing. That's crazy. That oh he just gosh. still works. Yeah. You know, it's like, right. reminds right. me of my boss. Oh, geez. I wonder what that's like working with him. How long, like, oh, yeah, that's I can, so um, interesting. Well, we have a couple friends because he directed Jersey Boys. Right, right. And so a lot of the Broadway cast did that. Clint uh, directed Jersey Boys? Yeah. Oh, I didn't realize that. Yeah, I mean, it's it just blows my mind. So now let's go all over the place real quick because we're almost out of time. Now, obviously, your sports fandom lies all in the D.C. area, I assume, correct? Yeah, I mean, so working for the football team, game day becoming a 12-hour workday for me, which is what happened for me in the early 90s, right as the team was starting to get bad. Mm Mm-hmm took a lot of the fun of fandom out of it for me. Sure. So I still follow that team, but it's it's really hard to be super diehard about it. And I'm a huge NFL fan. I mean, the, the league in general. I think it's probably fair to say I'm a, I would characterize myself a bigger fan of the league than the football team. Yeah. There's no team I like more than the football team, but I don't live and die with them. I mean, I'm more likely to watch the Red Zone channel than I am right. to tune into a football team game beginning to end. My kids growing up where we live, which is sort of a little bit towards the D.C. side, but kind of equidistant between D.C. and Baltimore, they sort of gravitated to the – I mean, my kids would say to me growing up, how can you be a fan of the football team? They're terrible. you know. And I say, well, when I was a kid, they won championships every year. Yeah, right. So <laughs> that, that makes it easy. So they grew up Ravens fans. One of them, Spike, oh. is actually a Texans fan. So Ooh. the house is all fractured. Um, <laughs> but certainly the hockey team, I'm a fan of. The basketball team, I root for. The baseball team, to the extent I'm a fan of baseball, but they are my team. And that's always been the case. I mean, I grew up a huge Orioles fan and a big baseball fan. Sort of the multiple work stoppage things kind of turned me off on that or, you know, back in the 90s. So, but yeah, I'm I'm Washington tried and true. I mean, that said, I've never, full disclosure, I've never lived in Washington proper. I've always been in in Montgomery County, Maryland. But I mean, even now, if I leave my house, take two right turns, I'm hitting the Capitol in 19 miles. Now, that's far out here, as you guys know. Yeah, right. <laughs> but, you know, I'm pretty close. Yeah, yeah. Yeah. Wow, that's amazing. And it's interesting because they've become my secondary team. All the of Nats? them. All of them. Well, oh, the, okay. the, the football team, I, they're, well, because I, of course, hate, I don't know how well you know myself, but I hate all New York teams pretty much, especially the ones that play in New Jersey and play football. <laughs> So are you you not from the area? No, I'm from New York. Diehard Sox fan. That's a whole fun story. We can do that off air later if you want. Yeah. No, I've just always I'm all over the place with my teams in general. But because of my love for the podcast and Tony, the Nationals are definitely my National League team for sure. Football, I'm a Saints fan. So they're in the same conference. But I still I just have such a soft spot. I think it's because they're so bad. And because that's how I became a Sox fan, because I always root for the underdog. What's better than hearing D.A. rant right. on a Monday after the right. football team has gagged something away? I mean, that's the best. Right. And that's what I mean. It's just been great content. But, I mean, it, it's going to mean a lot to me. I know it's going to happen someday. They're going to win. And when the Nationals won, I was so thrilled mm-hmm. for yeah, all of you down great. there. And just and that's what Tony's done to me personally. It's like they're my National League team now. Yeah. I felt like I was with them the whole way, right from the Milwaukee game. I mean, it was just insane, Cause especially because the Sox weren't in it that year. That was a magical run. But that, oh. that's funny, the notion that and I've heard this from other people that just sort of by virtue of osmosis, they're Nat fans. Yeah. Well, because you hear you hear him talk about him every day. Like, I know the bullpen better than mine. Like, I know <laughs> right. everything about the bullpen. I know everything about the team, the manager, because Tony rants all the time about it and the other ones, you know, so it's been great. 
All right. Well, this kind of sucks. I have to be honest, Gary, because we're almost out of time. We're going to go long. We don't care. But we have to, if that's okay, we at the Loyal Littles podcast, we pride ourselves on the fun, dumb questions. Now, I know the Littles are screaming at us right now because they're like, are you insane? Why are you going to ask? <laughs> you have Gary freaking Braun on your show. Why are you going to ask? Do you prefer? Boxers or briefs? Oh, that's, oh a good... that's a good one. Go ahead. You brought it up. Oh, dude, I go Hollywood. Come on, man. <laughs> Roxy, we're adding that one. That's going to be the Gary Braun new question. Yes, we're yes. writing that in. No, we were being more subtle, like crunchy or smooth peanut butter, things like that. That was a good All right. One. Well, for me, it's it's absolutely crunchy peanut butter. Yes. Okay. Yeah. You're the man. I knew okay. it. Okay. <laughs> but, but I'm sort I mean, so I've heard you guys do this a, a time or two, and it was the one thing that worried me about talking with you guys, because I am like flaky in the sense that I'm not good with favorites. Like what's your favorite food? What's your favorite? I mean, you heard me answer the, the football team question. Like I'm a, it's always a mood driven thing. So I might yeah. be really bad at this game, but we'll see. All right. <laughs> but crunchy is an easy one for me. Okay. okay. Good. All right. Roxy, let's just get out of the way. Pineapple on your pizza. Yay or nay? Uh, I will eat it for sure, but I would probably not order it. Okay. Ah. Okay. That's that's the great Wilbon that, that's answer. A good, yeah, Thanks. I like that answer. We call that Wilboning the question. <laughs> See, I told you. I'm a, that's I'm a okay. flip-flop. I'm, worse, I'm a John Kerry. I'm a flip-flop. <laughs> <laughs> All right, Rex, what do you got? What would you do if you were invisible for a day? Wow. I mean, honestly, I would probably go Shadow, Spike, and Ike. Aww. Because Aww. because they are well, it's not really an awe. <laughs> You're like, what trouble are you getting exactly. into? <laughs> they are at an age and a place now. Juniors in high school, uh-huh. even though they've been in their high school for like four months, yeah, all told. Where it's like, I mean, we have good relationship, but I'd love to like really know what's going on. Yeah. I mean, as I say to them all the time. I don't know what you're doing. Like, I freely admit the technology has passed me by. I mean, mm-hmm. I don't Snapchat, I don't Instagram. Sure. I mean, I exist on all those things to sort of kind of keep an eye on them, but I'm not fluent in that stuff. So right. I say to them, like, I don't know what you're doing, but I know what you're up to. <laughs> if you understand the distinction. Like, I was 17 once. I get uh-huh. it. So I know what they're up to, but if I were invisible for a day, I might just kind of follow them around to get a better idea of what they're doing. I love that gotcha. answer. That's, that's great. That's a great parent answer, actually. If you could be a cartoon character, who would you be for a week? So the first things that come to mind are either Bugs, just because I liked him growing yeah. up, but mm-hmm. then I thought Mighty Mouse just for the powers. Ooh. Oh, yeah. Maybe. Use some superpower. I like that. Okay. If you could be an Olympic athlete, in what sport would you compete? Wow. That's cool. So clarification, you're talking about just for the benefit of competition. It's not like if I said basketball, I can't then go out around home and dominate the courts. It's just to compete in the Olympics. Um, Actually, regardless of your answer, I'm going to say 100 meter dash. I mean, oh, yeah. Nice. To be able to run that fast would be awesome. Nice. Oh, yeah. We actually, we've asked this question a few times and haven't gotten, it's always been curling. Yeah. (laughs) Right. Which is, yeah. you know, the logical answer. You right. know? So I, I will say the other thing that would come to mind is just floor exercise. I mean, mm. the, those, to be able to do that stuff gymnastically to yep. me is super cool. Yep. Yeah. And if you hosted Saturday Night Live, who would you like to introduce as your musical guest? So I would probably say, again, not to go too soft on you, but just 
I've, I've already talked to you guys about how I'm not a super star strucky guy. Mm-hmm. There are artists I would love to see and meet, but I know my daughter would get far more out of it than I would. So I would say either Liz Fair or Alanis Morissette, mm-hmm. who are at least at present her two spirit animals. Gotcha. So I would do that. I would invite my kid in and let her meet one of her idols. I love that. Oh, that's, that's so sweet. Good dad. I know, right? <laughs> All right. So which TV family is most like your own? this is so funny i just had a conversation with my kid this weekend about how like all sitcom dads are dopes (laughs) um i don't know guys you may have stumped me Um, well we figure you're either gonna go married with children simpsons or you're gonna go growing pains family ties Family ties is a nice one. I was thinking Kim Possible, although oh, that was a one. Uh-huh. But just these sort of mischievous superhero kids, except the parents were way too smart, so that would uh, <laughs> disqualify us. Or I would say any family that Garcia wrote and created. So uh-huh. maybe the movers. Um, but yeah, we're, I don't know, we're, we're a tough, uh, we're not a stereotypical group. That's cool. I mean, I like saying uh, married with children because that's funny. But I, <laughs> that's been a popular one. Yeah, that's a tough. That's a tough one. That's a good question. Oh, good. And what's a special hidden talent you have that no one else knows about? I don't really have any talent. Um, <laughs> I guess it would be the ability to give people the impression that I am talented. <laughs> that's a good talent. That's a great yeah, answer. I, I can't play the harmonica with my nose. I can't. I mean, you might be surprised by my flexibility. That's not a particular okay. talent. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Um, but yeah, that's, um, I told you I'd be terrible at this. I'm sorry. I oh, no, no, this, this is you're, great. You're doing fantastic. Yeah. Do you have any more before we get out of here? Yeah, make me look dumber, Rox. Go. <laughs> <laughs> I was thinking of the one. It's, it's kind of similar to what she said. Oh, yeah. If you could live in any television or movie house, what would it be? And we've kind of updated this a little bit even more to saying that you can live with the family or without the family uh such a cop-out but i would just say jetsons nice that's great um, we have not done that you know, one i haven't seen the jetsons house in a long time yeah. so like it might not even be impressive technologically maybe the adams family maybe that oh. would be more fun yeah with them but yeah i i'm that's all i got i mean what are some of the more impressive answers you get um, Nightful answers. Well, what's the someone was like? I can't believe the Fresh Prince of Bel Air. Fresh P- Prince of Bel Air. Um, nice crib for sure. Yeah, the nice uh, Home Alone house. Home Alone house. That's why we updated it to movies. Yep. And then um, we've had Seinfeld's apartment. With or without Kevin. He actually was very specific and said without the family. Okay. Yeah, yeah. And then uh, we've had Seinfeld. Seinfeld apart. This is where the whole thing came up because I was like, you know, we live in New York in a one bedroom apartment. I'm like, what are you crazy? Why do you want to live in a one-bedroom apartment? You can. He's like, oh, because Kramer's across the hallway. You know, George is coming to visit. I'm like, oh, okay, that makes sense then. If yeah, if I can live with the cast as well and live in their world, I got it. Definitely, yeah. that's fine. And then we've had Silver Spoons. There's an old one because mm-hmm. you know these people live in mansions. I would go for the cool futuristic thing. I guess. Yeah. Yeah. No, that's a great yeah. answer. That's a great answer. So, all right. Well, sadly, Gary. I mean, we have to close this out at some point because you've been more valuable with your time than we even expected, and but we really appreciate it. Um, you guys, were, you were patient in uh, waiting for our schedules to align and then dealing with all my technical issues. So <laughs> it's the least I could do and enjoyed speaking with you tremendously. Thank you so much. Now, as an homage to the big show, we'll get you out of here on this. Over or under? Oh, my goodness. Over. <laughs> I mean, it's, 
It, that's how the patent was written. Yes. I, I don't understand the debate on this. <laughs> but there is one, which is hilarious. <laughs> I no, I, and, and I understand that there is one. Yeah, I, I think I, this is Roxy's favorite part about the podcast is seeing the passion behind this question. Yeah. For the littles. Yeah. Yeah. It's a great microcosm of, of the whole deal. Yeah. Yeah. Yep. Point. I mean, it's been Whatever. quite the trip. That's all I'm going to say. You come me. to the Braun household, everything's going to be over. And if for some reason something isn't, and like I said, I have two teenage boys, so sometimes they just do, you know, they haven't been taught to go over. Right. Um, so they would just try to get the role. I mean, typically what you would find is the role sitting perpendicularly on an empty spool. Right. In front of them handling it. But if they did it and did it wrong, it would be corrected by me. Okay. Yeah, cool. <laughs> as soon as I needed it. Yeah. That's excellent. All right, Gary, thank you again. Is there anything we can plug for you before we let you go here? Well, it's nothing that you can plug for me, but there's one thing I would like to plug. Oh, sure. That some of your listeners may not be aware of. And that is the little known fact that at least at present, the Loyal Littles podcast is specifically programmed to release on days when there is no Tony Kornheiser show podcast. So your listeners should know on days when they can't get the Tony fix, they can always get the LLP fix at the same place, wherever it is that they get their podcasts. But as far as plugging anything for me, no, I am all good. That's really sweet. That LLP. So sweet. That's, I, I like that. The LLP. <laughs> well, whatever. I mean, what do you call it? You we just, we just call it the Loyal Littles podcast, but I kind of, kind of digging that. Very sweet. And thank you so much for the time. We really appreciate it. My pleasure, guys. All right, all you loyal littles, we're going to try to recover and we'll be right back. I'm Christopher Giannini from Memphis, Tennessee, and you're listening to the Loyal Littles Podcast on the WTFC Podcast Network. Welcome back to the Loyal Littles Podcast. And I've. Have you recovered? I've recovered. I mean, I can't begin to say thank you, Gary Braun, enough. That was really sweet of you to take the time to come on and meet the littles. Yeah, I was just speechless. And yeah. It was such a fun time, and it, it makes everything we've done so far worth it. Mm -hmm. You know, I mean, it mm -hmm. was just so much fun. Littles, we've got so many more surprises coming up for you. We're very excited about that. We hope you stick with us. We hope you stick with us, yeah, because it's going to be a good time. We promise you that. But we did real quick. We needed to talk a little bit about ourselves a little bit. So we're kind of glad that we are by ourselves today because Roxy has officially started rehearsals. It's Christmas. It's Christmas. It's officially Christmas. In October, which is crazy. I'm so excited. You are. And that's amazing. And yeah. I'm so excited yeah. for you. However, our lives are going to be turned upside down now for about a month. Yeah. Roughly because our schedules completely, this is the bad thing about when you have two people in show business. We're, like, we're, we're even more opposite. We're even more opposite because you go to rehearsal all day. Yeah. Literally, yesterday I saw you for like 15 minutes before I had to go to the theater to do yep. my show. Yep. So it's a little crazy. We're going to do our best. I don't know what it will mean. Hopefully nothing. I, I think we had the same kind of conversation when I started my show back, back yeah. in April. And we said, hopefully this will mean nothing for the podcast. But we're just hoping you'll be patient with us because it's now obviously much more difficult for us both to do interviews and things like that, to meet the littles. Mm -hmm. 
And you might have to take a couple episodes off here and there. We're not sure yet. I don't know. Yeah. We're hoping not, but we just don't know. We don't mm-hmm. know what's going to happen with the podcast, but we'll hopefully still get two shows out a week if we can. And if we can't, we'll definitely let you know what's up. And we're just hoping we'll be able to continue as strong as we have been. Yeah. But we just wanted to let you know what's going on. That's all. And, you know, with Tony's schedule, it's, it's a little tricky because as Gary was nice enough to mention, which... Other littles have said we should mention more often. As a reminder, one of our things is that we never drop an episode on the same day as Tony because we want all the littles to listen to Tony and the Tony Cornerizer podcast. So we don't do that. So sometimes it's thrown a little monkey wrench into our plans. And um, that's okay. That's okay. He's the big show. We're the little show. Absolutely. So anyway, Roxy, why don't we get to the news? All right, we haven't done this in a long time, Roxy, but we have, this one is a lot of local to a lot of our listeners. The headline alone makes me giggle. It says, another Maryland resident spots zebra on the loose. (laughs) Another. Another. (laughs) So multiple. Okay. A resident spotted one zebra in a Maryland county on the loose this week after other residents spotted three zebras last week. Chris Horrell said he spotted a zebra on Croom Road in the upper Marlboro area of Prince George County on Tuesday night and captured a video of it. Earlier this month, Prince George's County Animal Control Relief Rodney Taylor said three zebras had been on the loose for several days after escaping from a private farm. Last week, upper Marlboro resident Devon Bennett spotted three zebras while he was taking out the trash and neighbor Layla Curling saw the zebras behind her house. Animal control officials said five zebras escaped from a herd of 31 others on the same farm, according to the Washington Post. Now, I did not know this was, I mean, I guess they have to be bred and raised somewhere. I don't know. I just didn't really think Maryland would be a place that would... Have an animal sanctuary? I guess. I don't know. Am I... I don't know. I, it, this is news to me. I mean, that just seems weird to me. I mean, so are we sure that there's only five zebras that escaped and it's not? Well, they're assuming, I think they all came from this one farm that had, I think you said 31. Right, right. So I guess. Interesting. I, I don't know. I just, I, I thought it was going like they escaped from the zoo or something. Yeah, that's but, what I was thinking. Yeah. No, huh. but I guess. Interesting. I just, I don't know why. I, I guess I just never thought about where do zebras get raised and. Pretty soon you're going to have zebra crossing signs. Yeah, right. In Maryland. <laughs> so anyway, and sticking with the animal subjects. Yep. We have a escaped cat found after three weeks wandering around JFK Airport. A cat that escaped from a carrier while being loaded onto an Italy-bound flight was captured safely after three weeks of wandering around the tarmac at New York's JFK International Airport. John DeBacker, vice president of nonprofit animal rescue group Long Island Cat Kitten Solution, said Salvador Salvatore Fazio, a man who lives part-time in Mystic Beach, arrived in Italy to find his cat, Atore, had escaped from his carrier before being loaded onto the plane. DeBacker said it was difficult to get permission to search for Atore on the runway area. He set up an overnight camera that managed to capture a glimpse of the wandering feline on the first night, allowing him to set a humane trap that managed to ensnare Atore about 1 a.m. 
Ettore is staying with Fazio's girlfriend while they make arrangements to have the cat transported to Italy. DeBacker said pets often get loose at airports. He previously participated in the January rescue of a cat that escaped at a security checkpoint at New York's LaGuardia Airport and spent 11 days hiding in the hub's ceiling. Yeah, like I said, I, I bet that happens a lot. These sly little cats getting I mean, out. at least your kitty made it safe. Well, not I your know, kitty, but I, know. I knew that would make you They're all so warm and cute. fuzzy inside. They're so cute. And let's finish up with, we have an Iowa town cooking up 14,280 pancakes for a Guinness World Record. I'm sorry, what? <laughs> I know, right? I feel, But this one, I feel like anybody can do this. Like, this is not that I big mean, of a that deal. I mean, that is no easy feat. Okay, but all right. In Iowa City's annual Pancake Day celebration featured a Guinness World Record being broken when a total of 14,280 pancakes were served up at the festival. Organizers of Pancake Day in Centerville said 2,400 pounds of pancake batter was donated for the event by grocery chain Hy-Vee, which previously set the Guinness Book record for largest serving of pancakes at 13,000 in Blue Springs, Missouri. About 100 volunteers who represented numerous local businesses cooked up the 14,280 pancakes to take the record. Organizers said about 17,000 pancakes are usually served during an average pancake day. But the number was reduced for the record attempt to ensure all the pancakes followed Guinness requirements. The requirements stipulated each pancake must be at least five inches in diameter and no more than 0.39 inches thick. Now that I don't understand, but that's picking nits, I guess. Here's here's a little fun fact about Roxy. My favorite pancake is when you're pouring the batter onto the skillet and as you're moving it to the next area, there's a little drip. And then yeah. you get a, a tiny pancake. A tiny pancake. <laughs> Not Those a little, a tiny pancake. <laughs> but I don't understand why. It, it, I mean, what if it was 0. 0.40 inches thick? That's not going to count. It says no more than 0. 0.39 inches thick. So if it was like a half an inch thick, that wouldn't count. I would think that would be more. So I Yeah, that, but then maybe the, the consistency isn't right and these have to be edible and cooked all the way through. I've had pancakes that have not been left on long enough. Oh um, sure. And sure. they're they're too thick and it, it takes them longer to cook, so it has to be edible too. Maybe. But more importantly, Blue Springs, Missouri, what up? Are you coming back at them now? <laughs> Fourteen thousand two hundred and eighty one does not sound like it's unfeasible. Right. So get on that or someone else. Maybe the Littles could like Jingle Fest. Ooh, we could do a pancake off. Or, or we could just find another random record to break. Yeah, that would probably be easier. That would be. <laughs> <laughs> I don't know. Littles, what do you think? Anyway, I, I mean, I'm I mean, whose kitchen are we going to use? I don't know. Littles? I don't know. Write anyway. us in. Yeah. And speaking of, now I'm freaking hungry because I love pancakes. Mm. Now, what do you like on your pancakes? You like weird stuff, right? I mean, I like your standard pancake. I also like banana pancakes. Yeah. I also like chocolate chip pancakes. No, no. I also like blueberry pancakes. No, no. I'm just, give me a pancake. But like cooked inside, not necessarily on top. Right. Yeah. Well, you know, you go to a diner and they have like that oh, like jar IHOP, stuff. And they have like 15, 30 different types of pancakes. It drives yeah, me crazy. Yeah. Anyway, Littles, what do you like? Are you a pancake fan and what kind of pancakes? I mean, mm -hmm. is this a pineapple on our pizza situation <laughs> or I don't know. I'm just a regular pancake guy, but I'm starving now. Roxy, tell us how they can get in touch with us. You can email us at WTFCPodNet at gmail.com. We're also on Twitter at Loyal Littles Pod. We're also on Instagram at The Loyal Littles Podcast. And don't forget about our Facebook page, The Loyal Littles Podcast. And don't forget to head on over to iTunes and Apple and give us a nice rate and review over there. And a huge thank you to Gary Braun 
for coming on and being our Meet the Bigs guest today. And we really appreciate the time. And Claire Natola, Sean Morrissey, and Christopher Giannini for our bumpers today. And Littles, don't forget, it's the holiday season. So make sure you get to the stores, shop online, use those codes because Christmas (laughs) is coming for those who celebrate. Roxy. um, All other holidays are also coming. (laughs) Roxy, it's not even October yet. I know you're excited. Halloween. I understand that. Get those candy Oh, Oh, absolutely. Yeah. Yeah. Use the code. I get that. But I'm just saying, like, (laughs) Roxy, easy. It's it's not even October yet. Anyway, Littles, as always, thank you for your support. And we'll see you next time. On the Loyal Littles podcast. See you, everyone. Bye. I don't know what you're doing, but I know what you're up to.
The Loyal Littles Podcast is produced by the WTFC Podcast Network and edited by Louis B. Crocco. And the Loyal Littles Podcast logo is designed and drawn by Eric Lonergan. Oh, dude, I go Hollywood. Oh, yeah.